Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, May 10th, 2013. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere. This week, we talk about how to quote a project for a client who needs an app that can run everywhere. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Babble, babble, babble. Babble, babble. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, um, I'm Droopy the dog, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't cut yourself recently with a cough drop? No, I haven't. Jeez, it's almost a, a record. 18 hours? Yeah, like yeah, 18 hours now since since injury or onset of new illness. So <laughs> You should have like one of those OSHA signs in your <laughs> <Yeah>. office. <laughs> 18 hours since twisted ankle. <laughs> <laughs> I need one of those, yeah. I was... Uh, I was feeling like we were in sync the other night um i've been been on this uh training routine i'm trying to like you know get get my running speed a little mm-hmm. bit better and uh so I'm every tuesday thursday and sunday i'm on this like very strict regimen of running and so that's, that's the same day as i go when i go which i'm going to start up again this sunday so. oh good so you're definitely getting better in the ankle department yeah so yeah and i uh uh, our floors are getting refinished, and if anyone's ever had that done, you know you yes. have to move out of your house. Yes. So we've been staying at Erica's parents' house, and they live in the Bonies. So I and I, I had to go running at night Thursday night, and it was pitch black out. I mean, no street lights, nothing, no houses, pitch black. And uh, I went off of the went off of the curb, like halfway off the curb, and like twist. exactly what I did. Yeah. On a Thursday night. No, sir. Yes. Jeez. Wow. So that means I'm going to cut myself on a cough drop in like yeah. two days. Yeah. You'll 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 have a massive head cold in <laughs> yeah in like less than a week, and you'll cut yourself on a, cut your tongue on a cough drop. <laughs> oh well, I've got that to look forward to. <laughs> so this week, I I don't think we have any. Do we have any housekeeping? I don't think so. I don't think so. No, and we haven't had a bug in a long time. No bug report this week, really. I don't think. Nothing Nothing interesting, anyway. No, I mean, I've had little stuff, but it's just you know, typos yeah. and, and stupid things. Yeah, and, like, people screwing up the GitHub repos, and there's nothing, nothing, yeah. like, oh, nothing, nothing useful. Newsworthy. Right. So, <clears throat> we were talking about... You know, we've been we've been very webby the last couple of shows, very focused on sort of web specifically, which sort of makes sense because it's the biggest communications platform. It's like the it's where tons of apps are built. But we but really, you know, we're not really all about web. It's just like a, a huge component. So we kind of wanted to uh, get back to our roots, as they say, and talk about the whole kind of stack of a let's call it a modern web app or modern, modern cross-platform application mm-hmm. and come at it from, we've talked about that before, of course, uh, but I thought it'd be interesting to come at it from a very pragmatic angle, which is uh, explaining like how to explain a modern approach to application development to a client in a quote in a way that yeah. exposes the value so that they're like, oh, this makes this is totally new way of approaching things, but it makes perfect sense and I'm and I'm sure it's gonna be a great fit for the new reality. 
Yes, we just got through doing this. Yeah, and in fact, you got a nice uh, you got a nice compliment on your work. It was re- refreshing to have such a detailed and clear quote. It was refreshing to hear that on my end. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was refreshed all the way around. Yes. It was a very, very refreshing experience. Yeah. So all, all I needed was a babbling brook. <laughs> yes, I got my refreshment in, in other ways. Um, so, I mean, I don't think we need to belabor it. It's not, it's, it's not rocket science, but it's probably not something that people have had to um, address before because I noticed a lot of, say, responsive projects or API projects. A lot of that stuff is kind of like internal or proof of concept or. And it's like something where, where you're, you are your own client and it's, you, don't, you can skip right over this step of like trying to convince yourself that it's a good idea. <laughs> um, and because presumably you've already gotten there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, we've beaten you over the head with it enough at least. And, uh, you know, maybe we could, it's, I mean, it would be great if we could talk about specifics, but of course we can't do that. But if we can keep it as close to specifics as possible and kind of talk through the approach to kind of keep it real without, um, you know, well, changing the names to protect the, uh, the guilty. Yeah. That would probably be a good way to go about it. So I'll try and set the stage and then you can kind of talk about how you, okay. how you wrote it, how you broke it down, how it made sense to you. Okay. So the general concept is there's an existing web app in the world and it grew in a sort of organic fashion as a web app and it was specifically bound to um, an interface so the whole the whole thing was basically conceived of as an interface that would do some stuff and output some results and you know more or less get things done for the customers but it was conceived as just a desktop web app without sort of unwittingly conceived as a desktop web app. And uh, now that that solution has caught on and is growing and is attracting um, interest from partners and, and also needs a refresh to its own user interface, um, it, you know, it needs, there are all sorts of things that need to happen and it all kinds of comes, everything in every one of those individual projects pointed in the same direction, which is there needs to be an API. Yeah. So that's kind of where it fell into your lap. It was like, it was like, here's, here's the whole, here's the whole situation. Um, uh, We need third party integration for, you know, some beta testing applications. We need third party integration for actually doing stuff, you know, uh, you know, like kind of like white label services and we yeah. want to rewrite uh, our interface and maybe even write some mobile, native mobile apps to access the directory. So, yeah. An additional app to do some statistics and, yeah. Yeah, some admin all stuff. Things, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, automation, all these sorts of things. So that's kind of how it came to you. And, um, like, what, what, was your react, what was your initial reaction to that? You know, um, good idea, bad idea, great idea. <laughs> no. My my initial reaction was good idea, mm-hmm. um, but it's always especially when you're coming into to a project where everything already exists. Um, you already have a working app. You know, talking about about building an API. There's there's kind of some difficult decisions that have to be made there, as far as what do you use from the existing software, the re- existing structure. Do you keep the database? Do you migrate accounts? Do you do you start fresh? Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, all, all that sort of stuff. So there's there's kind of some some difficult decisions that need to be made there, and um, you have to take a look too. You also can't can't let yourself get boxed into thinking thinking in terms of building an, an API to do what the application currently does, because yeah, right the the things the application currently does are very very specific, and your API, in order to be the most useful, needs to be very generic. Yes. Yeah, we've talked about this in the past in a couple of episodes where it was like, when you do finally, you know, a lot of times when you build an API, it's for a single client, like client application. And then as soon as you build that second client application, you're like, oh, wow, I built a lot of client logic into the API. Yeah. You need to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah. So, uh, totally agreed. And, and the, so the, the concept was don't carry forward the sins of the past, basically. Right. Like abstract this. So it, 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 what, what is the core of what this does? Yeah, that was, that was where we started. And the whole thing's probably going to, you know, it's going to be an iterative process. It's probably going to go through several stages of development. And the first, the first stage is just defining and, and developing that very basic core of, of what the application needs to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll go into a sort of smidge of detail here because this was, I think, a big decision, which was yeah. um, here's a, a big piece that uh, was broken off from the API for the, the kernel system is uh, like account management, authentication, and all that. So, because there's a there's a lot of complexity there, because you've got legacy system that has its own kind of screwed up authentication model, and then you've got um, it, a couple of third parties who are interested in integrating with it, both in different ways. So, in, in in different sort, they both have different business models and want to use the API to do the same thing, but in different ways. So, like one of them sort of a delegated process, another one's kind of direct to consumer, white label type of thing. Yeah. So and then you, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Then you've got the whole billing layer on top of all of that. So. Right. So it's so so the whole identity management thing is going to be a huge mess unto itself. And to it felt it felt to me, and I think I think we both agreed. It felt wrong to, it felt too soon to tackle that in an abstract way. Yeah. So it was kind of like let's. So we came with the assumption that. That will be handled outside of the API somehow. We won't build that into the API initially. And we'll just assume that whether it's a client application or a third party, we'll assume that they somehow have a token that indicates who they are and what they're allowed to do. Right. It's either either created by the admin or the billing system or something something other than the API at this point. Right. So that was right. a, that was, I think, a pretty big decision. Yeah, yeah, it was, and I think the next the next big decision was to um, basically ju- just go with a fresh start on the database, and um, and then worry about importing importing existing clients, or um, importing existing existing um, accounts later. Yep, and you called out two really excellent. So so if we're coming at this from the example of the, from the perspective of of kind of. Uh, expressing the value of the approach to the client because you can imagine you're a client you've got a you've got a web app it's very popular it's successful and uh, you want to extend it and you want to give it a refresh 
And then the quote comes in and it says, okay, this new API is going to be awesome. It's going to be, you're going to be building for the future, but it's not compatible with the current software. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, you, you need to, we, I think we both have really good reasons for that. And, you know, I, I know we do. And, uh, uh, but it was really, I was really impressed with the way you described it in the quote. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I should open the quote because you're about to ask some questions. Yeah. You probably, do you even remember what you said? It was, so you, you gave two reasons why it was a good idea to not make it backward compatible. Uh, and the, the, my favorite one is, is mitigation of risk, which is yeah. this is going to be new development. And uh, it's, you know, it's a whole new approach. I mean, it'll be a massive change to the way that things work. And you could theoretically mess things up for thousands of users by doing such a core, uh, a core rewrite to an existing system, like in real time. Right. I feel like, I feel like you kind of, kind of need to have the two running parallel until you have the, the new system fleshed out and developed and tested and, and stable. And you know that you're good with that before you, before you get anywhere close to considering moving your existing paying customers onto that system. Exactly. Yep. And then the other the other point that you called out, we already talked about, um, which was that you you know we were concerned about sort of bringing forward the the any cruft from the old system into the new one by forcing right. them to be you know by forcing them to be kind of coupled at this early stage. It didn't make sense. Yeah, kind of square peg round hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was another yeah. uh, big thing, and you know, like went into the quote, explained to the client that you know this is these are the reasons, and uh, it's made sense to him, and you know, green light. Yeah, and it also it also significantly re- reduces the time and cost that it takes to get a working a working version of the API up that functions and does what the um, what the client wants it to do, so that they can look at it and say okay, now we need this, or now we need this, or that's not working. And it, it just makes that whole, if you don't have to worry about all the existing stuff, it makes that whole process, it makes building the new system easier and faster, and it's easier to focus, because you're not, you're not distracted by that old logic and, and that old data. Yeah, yeah, because it, it was, everyone's had systems like this, everyone's built systems like this, they grow organically, yeah. the business grows like at a surprising rate, and things get hot fixed in production and all of a sudden this gets patched on that gets patched on you've got like 25 wordpress plugins trying to solve two problems and uh you know you know how it goes you know you're scrambling to get things done but you know if you have a second if you have a chance and you've got like the budget to take a step back and say wow this is we need to build a platform because this is this is going to be this is the thing yeah then uh it's i think it's a it's Certainly, in this case, and in, in other cases, but not all cases, I think there does makes uh, there is a time to break from the past and start with a clean slate, just like Basecamp did. There are thirty seven yeah. signals. Thirty seven signals did with Basecamp. Yeah, they they did that with Basecamp, Basecamp, and then they had, you know, then they they wrote some fancy scripts to import your data from the old Basecamp to the new Basecamp. Yep. Yeah, so you do have that, you know, supporting things in parallel sort of thing, but assuming that your old system is at least at a stable point, then people can sort of, you get two, you get two benefits. Uh, one is if people fear a change and they just really like the old one better, then they can stay there, you yeah. know. Um, 
and or maybe you can sunset it and say, you know, after X X amount of time, you're, you're going to get kicked out of here. So, uh, but it's a, it's a more of a gradual process than like, oh, software update. Whoa, what's this? <laughs> like Facebook does to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and then the, the internet complains for a day, and, and then everyone gets over it. <laughs> yeah, and everybody gets back to staring at the screen. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so authentication was a big one. Um, breaking backwards compatibility was a big one. And uh, there were another component, I don't know how much we can go into it, but another component was breaking off a very specific processor-intensive feature into its own uh, into its own. Um, little unit so that it would be scalable independently. Right, right, and we're we're not we're not doing that in this first version, but we're preparing for it. Yeah, and you can imagine a you can imagine a solution that that did something really processor intensive like um, uh, like OCR or uh, video transcoding, something like that. And it's really separate from the the business of the API. It's just this like side process that has to happen, or like a subservice. And it, it's not, it is kind of like that. So we're like, you know what? We'll we won't do that yet, but we're going to plan to bolt that. Pe- we're going to we're plan we're going to build that internally, and then plan to uh, with the knowledge that it's going to be a separate thing later that can independently scale up and down. So since we're yeah. on Amazon, we can be just like, oh, you know what? We're getting we're getting these video transcoding requests. We're getting hammered. We need to spin up a bunch more instances uh, right. just we for can, that. We can scale just the um, just the the parts that have to do the heavy processing, mm-hmm. and then the API can just hand hand things off to it. Yeah. So, so how do you write a quote for something like that? Because the the we've we've both done web development for a very long time and uh, I mean I've never seen one of your old quotes but like for me it was a lot of like a lot of times it would start off with uh, not mock-ups maybe maybe rough wireframes or something mm-hmm. client would send me wireframes and be like uh, we need an app that looks like this or maybe I would even say to them do wireframes for me and send them to me and then I'll quote the project because that will help me get the, the, the scope of it Right, and that, then you give them a then you give them back a list of, okay, you need this specific feature, and and then it does this, and then you click here and it does this, and yeah, just a it's just a very very detailed list of very client specific features. Yep, and by and by client, yeah. you, you mean the client application. By, it's very uh, right, very UI specific. Yes, and I've seen plenty of of um, designers who do even higher fidelity stuff. Uh, at the early phase, even whether it's in the RFP or if it's actually in the quote, where it's very high fidelity and very specific to a particular interface. So if you take that out, either from the quoting phase or the RFP phase, or even a de- as a deliverable, it's like, what do we like? How are we going <laughs> to run this project? Like, what is the client going to expect to see throughout the process if nothing has a use like a UI? Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah it was it was interesting to have to um have to have to tackle that and 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 sort of convey that to to the client and i started i started with and and i included this with the quote so that the so that the client could have it as a reference um but it's it's kind of technical so i'm not sure how useful it will be but it was a, a great benefit to me to uh 
sort of get my head around everything to begin with is I started by doing the documentation for the core API services. Right. Kind of like the wireframe. <laughs> it's kind of like the wireframe <laughs> for the API. It, yeah, it kind of is. It's a, it, it, it is. It's a design process for the API. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just everything's written and not drawn in pretty pictures. Yep. Because it's a, you know, it's a text-based interface, so it makes sense that way. Yep. <laughs> and you used Happy Docs to do that? I did. Which we haven't I talked did. about in a long time. New listener, new dear listeners might not know about Happy Docs. Yes. Well. Happy Docs is our, our little web app for documenting REST APIs. Yes. And um, I, every time I use it, I keep thinking, I keep thinking I want to do Happy Docs 2.0, but, you know free time, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a huge fan of this. Um, uh, it's not fun. That's the problem. Is And that's the nice thing about Happy Docs. <laughs> it makes it less less not fun. Yeah. Uh, or more, less, less not fun, less more fun. <laughs> not more painful or something. <laughs> not more painful, yeah. Yeah, like Total. we... <laughs> not more painful. <laughs> it's like you, you want to start coding. You want to start, like making requests and getting the responses and stuff. It's like super fun to jump straight into code, but it's really, uh, it's such a mistake and a little bit of discipline and a tool that makes it easy, whether it's happy docs or something else is like, I, I wouldn't say critical, but it's really going to save you a lot of time and yeah, it will. you can use it for the quote and it makes like setting up testing easier later. It's all sorts of benefits. So there goes a big lizard walking across the table in front of me. Nice. <laughs> I'm in the Cayman Islands, by the way. <laughs> anyway, that's a big one. Holy crap. I thought he was about to sell me insurance. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so, so very big. I think it's a very important piece of the quote is to take the time to flesh out at least the major the pillars of the api the major objects or resources get a rough feel for it yeah and uh and put it into something that's easily shareable or you can send as a pdf or something so the client can give it an eyeball yeah yeah and even sometimes it can get pretty technical but it's still even if they're just looking at the the list of, of what the api calls will be and not digging deeper into the technical details kind of gives them an, an idea of the shape of the API. Yeah, and generally an API is going to use like their language. So, you know, there'll be yeah. things in there like like video or customer or um, whatever and they'll yeah. they can they can, that's familiar enough that they can be like, "Oh, you know, you forgot whatever. You forgot lizard." <laughs> you, you forgot lizard, yeah. Yeah. And I it's it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, of of doing like a, a content audit of a site or like organizing it, doing a, a mm-hmm. site map, but just with text and not with wireframes or anything like that, which uh, some yeah. designers are fond of doing. So it's like familiar enough that the client can kind of like understand it and get a sense for the level of completeness because they recognize the business objects. And uh, it also gives them a checklist for later when they can say, you know, are, are all these things done? You can be like, yeah, all these calls that we said we were going to do, we did. Yeah. So it gives them a feel for the scope in a way that I think is understandable to anyone. 
yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a very very useful document when when you're when you're coding and, and then later when you're building. Yes. And then from there, I started out, you know, just kind of just kind of give an overview of, of the project and, and the goals and what we what, what's um, you know, identify what some of the needs are and, and what we intend to do about it. And then uh, I've got this whole section where I'm just kind of just kind of explaining explaining the sort of big picture benefits and um, benefits and uses that you get out of out of this API approach because it is something new that you know a lot of a lot of clients aren't aren't as familiar with mm-hmm. and so just talk about things like you said before like minimizing risk and being able to create a, a system that's that's clean and and free of you know sins of the past kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You just just really just you know just take some time to just write out and and explain you know why why we're doing it this way. <laughs> yeah, and it has I think it serves two purposes. One is to sort of communicate back to the client that you heard what that he said. Like I understand your predicament, and here's what I understand the big picture is from you. So correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And almost always a client has some idea about how they they think it should be solved, and it's almost always wrong or not, not nuanced enough. Mm-hmm. And so then you have an opportunity to say like, I understand where you are. I understand where you want to go. And, uh, here are the steps that I think we should go through. And here's why. Yeah. And here's why, yeah. because I know that there, there are steps in here that, uh, you probably thought we were going to get to immediately, but I think it'd be better to put them off. And here's, here's how we will, make it from point A to point B to point C to point D. This this is just about point A, though. Right. The quote was for the initial core API, but in that we also did kind of present, okay, and, and this, is, this is what we plan to do in the future, and this is how this first part fits into that. Yes. And it's how, this, is, this is our foundation, and this is how we build upon it from here. Yep. Yeah, I suppose I, I don't know if this is universal, but uh, it has been for me. Which is the, the more you can break down a project into small pieces and quote them individually, the better off everybody is. Because the, yeah, I'm sure some companies like want to make the quote bigger and bigger and bigger and get like a two million dollar check and then you know, and then just like everybody put their heads down and try and get it done. But I, I just feel like that's unrealistic. And if you unless you have like a very very waterfall process, which doesn't fit with the kind of applications these are. Yeah. So small pieces that are uh, independently releasable and you can phase over time. It's really attractive to businesses because it mitigates risk. It does. It mitigates risk and it gives them gives them small pieces that they can they can see working and, and improving and, and changing and, and adding value mm-hmm. at um, at fairly regular you know, shorter intervals. Yeah, so even though patience is involved because they want to get to the end goal, there's a lot of instant gratification. Yeah. Which everyone likes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. And then what what came up next? Uh, what was the next? Uh, next, I just kind of, I kind of did, uh, wrote out some sort of assumptions and expectations about what the what the API will and will not do. Yep. And just kind of explained it in in more more plain English than uh, the the technical sort of API documentation that we created earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there's there's things the client may may assume that the API will do 
right off the bat that that we are holding off till later, or or things maybe things that that the client didn't think about that the API needs to you know, we need to get straight from the beginning and, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I don't think it was really the case in this project, but classic examples for quotes I've done in the past are like, this quote does not include migration of data from the old database to the new database. Because like right. a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I just assumed you'd move the data from the old database because we, we <laughs> yeah. can't use the new one until it has data in it. It's like, well, yeah, but that's a job unto itself, and we didn't talk about <laughs> yeah. that. So that's a huge one. Another one is like, who's responsible for backups once it's live? Another one's like, who's responsible for making it go live? You know, there's all sorts of, all sorts of things that the client is. I've, I find that if you don't say what's not included, clients will universally assume a lot of stuff that we all know as developers is a ton of work. And yeah. you, you can't just turn around and say, look, I, well, I didn't, I, that's not in the quote. <laughs> yeah. You know? So I think it's really important to add a section of like this, this stuff that's not in the quote. Yeah. Yeah, you know, with within reason, you could you could probably go on with, go on with what's not in the quote forever. But yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to come to your house and do your dishes. I'm not. Gonna... <laughs> what? This quote does not include diaper changes. <laughs> and like for for this one, for instance, um, things like authentication was is a good example. So yeah, we're leaving leaving the the authentication and and billing out of the out of this version of the API. Right. Right. Yeah, and then after that, I just kind of uh, it's just a matter of finishing it up from there. I made a you know, a list of deliverables. Or this is this is what you're going to get. You're going to get this code, and I'm going to set up set up this environment for you and, and deploy the code to it. And there'll be automated tests for everything, and and just just those kind of those kind of things. Right. Yeah, and you know that I would you know it included that I would set up set up the databases and. For, for the new data and that sort of stuff. And then it would just, you know, other things like timeline and scope and yeah, like, parsing. Right. You know, just, just basic stuff that you'd have in any quote. Yep. And so, interestingly, um, we uh, probably shouldn't go into this. This might be a topic for another show if we were going to, if people enjoy this kind of a topic, we could do, do maybe a, a follow-up in another show about how to just pick the price. Yeah. Uh, because I, th I think there are a lot of different ways to do that and there's some I prefer and some other people prefer and you know there's different levels of risk who takes the risk um, but there's a, so many different ways to price software projects and it's hard to do yeah yeah absolutely um, if you if that sounds like an interesting topic let us know it's kind of I don't know if it's it's kind of off topic for the podcast but I do feel like I don't know I feel like talking about like this stuff in the context of clients is kind of important don't you yeah, it is because there there are things you need to be able to do if, if you're gonna if you're gonna get to the the building things phase. <laughs> right, and I also think that if if freelancers or even people who are internal developers that have to convince uh, other stakeholders in the business that like as a developer you might intuitively know that this new way is the way to do it, but if it's going to change things, which it will, uh, the way things mm -hmm. are done inside of the business as a developer you need to kind of help bridge that gap mentally to to help the the buyer whoever that is uh understand that this is a new way this is a little bit different thing we're going to be doing a more agile process smaller stable steps and you know et cetera, et cetera. right right and part of that part of that is understanding the the costs involved so 
Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody, no one wins. If the developer gets killed, no one wins. <laughs> if the, if the, obviously, well, the client almost never gets killed. The client either, the, the client, what ends up happening with the client is they end up with software that's crap that, you know, that doesn't do what they wanted. So yeah. the clients get burned, developers get killed. And in both cases, everybody loses. So I feel like there's a, I feel like there's, it's worth something worth talking about there because it makes, because it will make the, the ultimate project a failure. And that's, I feel like that's the thing we want to advocate is like getting more and more of these successful new style projects out in the world. Right. 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 And just nail down the, nail down the whole process so you can easily, easily roll out these, these apps that run everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to have apps running all over the place. Exactly. Yeah. Be like little lizards all over the patio. Just a herd of apps just running by. Yeah, there's a bunch of turtles over here too, just like walking around. Oh yeah, are they great big ones? No, they're t- they're like little. Uh, oh. I thought they were fake actually. <laughs> I thought they were like little bronze <laughs> ones. Moved. Yeah, until they came over and tried to get one of my French fries. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably a good place to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. We hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye. See ya.